Pastor Carl's going to come close. Thank you, Pastor Mike, for what I could say a great message, but I don't want to do that because <laughs> great would just seem, you know, kind of normal. But what I will say about his message is I think it was the most appropriate and timely message I've heard in the last month. And I'll tell you why. When I was getting ready this morning, the Lord shared some stuff with me to share with you, and it tag teams great with what Pastor Mike just taught us and reminded us of in the Word. You know, the pandemic has spread us all out. You get isolated at home, away from people, and you kind of forget what team you're on after a while. And you're thinking about yourself. You're thinking about your job. How am I going to pay the bills? What's going on with the kids? My family. Maybe your parents are still alive and you're worried about them. And you forget that we might not be fighting a physical giant today. But don't be deceived. We are in an epic fight right now. A spiritual battle like the church has not seen yet. And we're all on the kingdom side. So we're on God's team. So I wanted to remind you about a couple things. In Matthew chapter 6 on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was introducing the New Testament to the people. And he said, when you give, when you pray, when you fast in that chapter. So, yes, we are taking up an offering, but I want to encourage you. Even if you've lost a job and you're on unemployment and you're getting 600 bucks a week, then give the $60, bring the tithe in. Just because it's a hard thing to do doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. The Lord will turn your situation around. If there's anyone I've seen that can do it better than anybody, it is the Lord. So He is the one you want to partner with. So no matter what your situation is, you might even be in a mountain of debt and you just feel like you can't do it. But don't focus on the physical. We walk by faith and not by sight. For you to see the giant out there that we're fighting right now, you have to use your spiritual eyes. Because you won't see the... If you focus on the physical, you will miss the entire thing. So when you give, bring that tithe into the storehouse no matter how tough it is. We should be praying more right now than we have before. You might have had a commute in the past and you're working from home. You've got that 15, 20, 30 minute commute. Let me challenge you to pray during your commute time. And then fast this week. One meal on any day you get to pick. And the Lord gave me something specific for you to do. If you want to understand who you are, the team that you're on, and your position on the team, and how the Lord sees everything that's going on right now, then do this very specifically. I want you to read Ephesians 2 to yourself out loud, not quietly. You need to hear the words that are being spoken. So you're to read it out loud to yourself this week while you're fasting, whatever day that is. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, you pick one. I find it easier if you're not used to doing it to do lunch, have breakfast, have dinner. You can skate through the day and take that time Focus on prayer, fasting, and reading that Ephesians 2. And Pastor Mike challenged you to read Philippians 2. And they're both short chapters. 
So I read Ephesians 2 and Philippians 2 this week out loud while you're praying and fasting. And you will, your eyes of understanding will be open because that's why we're here. We're to edify you, encourage you. Why? Because I want you to attain the full measure of Jesus Christ in your life while we're on this side of eternity. Full measure, wholeness in Christ. And this is what we need to do as the body right now. We need to be giving, praying, and fasting as better as we've ever done it in our entire life. That is what this time is all about. Now, the beauty of being in phase two right now, I'll transition into that while you're getting your giving, your offering together. So we can have meetings again. So men, mark it on your calendar, July 14th, 7 p.m., Buffalo Wild Wings on Highway K. We're going to get the gang back together again and kick it off there, and we're going to talk about the rest of the year. Ladies, you have a conference coming up October 23, 24. There's a slide. It's on the website. Check it out or see Pastor Pam. She'll give you more details. But we are gearing everything back up. Small groups are going to start meeting again, like the men's group and other groups. So be sure to join one of them. It's a very powerful thing to be in a tight-knit group of people that are holding each other accountable, praying for each other. And it, it just gives you the sense of, I know what team I'm on. I know what role I have. And it was a brilliant message. And uh, take what you're giving right now. And we're going to go ahead and speak over all that is going on. If you're joining us online, if you're at home, you can grab it in your hand too and participate. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for every person that's hearing the sound of our voices today. Lord, may they be encouraged to know that your word has a specific path and an answer to what is going on in the world today. Lord, we acknowledge we are on your team, the kingdom of God. Lord, I thank you that this week as people read, study, may the word of God come alive to them in a way it never has before. Their spiritual eyes will be open to see what is going on in Jesus' name and their spiritual ears will be open to hear the words that they need to hear for their position and role in the kingdom. I thank you for every person that is standing on the word of God right now in covenant with you, giving, sowing seed into good ground, doing exactly what you want us to do, no matter how hard it is right now to focus on doing the right thing instead of hoarding and keeping. Lord, we choose to freely give right now. And I thank you, Lord, that as this week, that as people pray and fast, give them the courage, give them the strength to hear and read Ephesians 2 and Philippians 2 and stand on the word of God like never before and realize the spiritual battle that we are all facing right now. The giants that are out there waiting to be killed by those of us that are faithful to hear the word and then be doers of the word. I thank you, Lord, for meeting every single need. I thank you, Lord, for a time of rest for Pastor Barry and Gina. Bless them in their time off. Lord, speak to them encourage them, lift them up. And Lord, we thank you for all the people that are gathered together today. Lord, bless us all as we leave this building today. And we thank you that every need is met in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today online. May you have a blessed week. May you be in health and prosper, even as your soul prospers. And we will see you next week. Amen. And the title of the message today is About Who. Very simple title, About Who. And I'm going to help you right away. Yep, see right there. There it is. Yeah, right there. About Who.
And I'm going to help you right away with part of the answer. And I'm going to ask you to repeat after me four words that you're probably not going to want to hear. It's not about me. It's not about me. Unfortunately, we try too many times to make it about us, don't we? Uh, two weeks ago, I had uh, had the honor to um, oversee the uh, going home service of a dear friend of mine, Cliff Forbes. And as I was preparing that, uh, one of the things that stood out to me, and one of the things I wanted to make sure that we brought out as we talked about the life that Cliff lived, was the goodness that was inside Cliff. And what was hitting me, and this is actually something that's hitting me before, is today we overuse the word great. Everything has to be great. And if somebody excels at something, we, we celebrate them for being great, even though they may have some shortcomings in other areas. But if this person can, can throw a ball, can, can play an instrument, uh, can perform on the screen or a writer, whatever, if, they're, if they excel at that, we will call them great. And we get focused on that. Uh, I was thinking about the uh, opening scene of the movie uh, Jerry Maguire. And if you're not familiar with the movie, you know, Tom Cruise plays this sports agent. And at the very beginning, there's a cutaway of all these scenes of all these athletes that he represents. And he talks about how they're celebrated and how great they are. But then you start seeing here's one who's being arrested. Here's one who's blowing off a kid, won't give him a, an autograph because it's not the right brand of card. And so Jerry has a little bit of an epiphany there kind of about his business and how we do celebrate the greatness of others because they excel at something. We want to call them great. We want to celebrate them. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody who has that trait that doesn't mean there's not goodness in them, but it's up to us to find the goodness in them. And I was thinking about, I think, the most revered, cherished man in St. Louis was Stan Musial. And one of the reasons that we love Stan so much was not only because of how great he was as a baseball player, but because of what he was as a man, how he gave back to the community, how much he, he just enjoyed people. So... Um, a number of years ago, I know three ladies who went to Bob Evans at, uh, that was open at Mid-Rivers Mall. These ladies were good friends, and they went there every week on Wednesday mornings, had breakfast, shared time together. Well, all of a sudden, somebody walks in, and, and one of the ladies goes, well, I think that's Stan Musial. And the server said, well, it is. It is Stan. He comes in here, sometimes when he's been hunting, he'll come in here with his son and whatever, and they'll have breakfast. He said, and the waitress even said, why don't you go get, go get his autograph? And the ladies, to their credit, no, we don't want to bother the man. This is, you know, his personal time. So the server went over and got him, got autographs and brought him back to the ladies. And that could have been enough right there for Stan just to, hey, I sang three pieces of paper for some ladies and went on about his day. But he did more. He walked over to their table, introduced himself, did a magic trick for them just really took time to give value to those ladies. And then when he left, they were sitting in a booth by the window 
And he knocked on the window and, and waved at him as he, as he left. We need to look for goodness. And we get so focused on greatness. And we do that in things that we do then. Sometimes we find ourselves wanting to be great instead of just trying to be good and help others. And that's what we're going to look at some today. Um, and even when you're doing service for God, it's easy to fall into that trap. Uh, a few years ago when the men, uh, first time I took uh, some men down to Springfield for the Greater uh, Stronger Men's Conference, I had this dream of, because we've had some success with men coming on uh, Tuesday evenings. We had a couple retreats. We had good turnout. So, And this was an opportunity for us to do something a little different. So in my mind, I had this vision of 12, 15, 20 guys going down to Springfield for this conference, right? We were a little short of that. In fact, I think we had six guys go. And at first, I looked, I, I perceived that as a failure on my part. I'm like, oh, I did... Oh, this is this is horrible. We only got six guys going. I'm like, this is not what I had in mind. Well, God revealed to me that my attitude was wrong. So before the conference, they had a room where they had all these testosterone-driven activities for men to do. Scott Collette was waiting in line to fly, do his flight simulator. To you know, Larry, he was doing um, uh, laser tag and other things like that. You know, <laughs> I saw two men who were part of our group. One was a gentleman that I had invited who was outside of SCRC, and one was a gentleman who has connections to SCRC, and we were trying to get him back in. And during all this time of these men doing all these activities, I was watching those two men connect and God said that's what it's about right there it's not about you being able to puff your chest out and say you took 15 men to Springfield it's about those two guys right there who maybe ordinarily would not have an opportunity to connect to connect so we have to check our motive and see what who it is we're ultimately doing it for and that's what we're going to look at we're going to look at two passages today and the first one is to look at our motives a little bit and then the second one is an example of someone who had the right motive. So we're going to turn to Philippians chapter 2. And both these passages that we're going to look at are, if, if you've been raised in church and that, are passages that are, and stories that are probably rather familiar to you. I won't go over there again. So we're going to look at Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 2. I think the problem is they had to, my voice, I'm using Barry's headset. My voice is not the same as Barry's. It doesn't project as well. So they're, uh, they were making some adjustments so y'all could actually hear me. Verse 2, Philippians 2. Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. And as I read it, I just can't help but, you know, one of the, one of the favorite movies I like to use an example in the, the story is the, the movie Miracle about the 1980 U.S. hockey team. And as, as Herb Brooks is, is running the players through their tryouts and that, he gives his assistant coach, Craig Patrick, a list of names. 
So this is my final list here. And Craig Patrick says, well, you're missing some of the best names. And Brooks says, I'm not looking for the best. I'm looking for the right players. And we're going to touch base on that just a little bit more in just a second. And one of the things as you go through the movie that he was instilling on his players is that the name on the front of the jersey is more important than the name on the back of the jersey. Having USA is more important than Aruzioni, Johnson, McClanahan, whoever the players were. That was not what was important. It was who they were playing for, USA. That is what was important. In verse 3 it says, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. So continuing on with that movie, when, when uh, Coach Brooks went in for his interview and kind of laid out the plan of what he wanted to do with the team, the, the gentlemen who were interviewing him were questioning him. And one of the things they said was, we just don't want to be embarrassed on our home soil. And he said, we've already been embarrassed. And one of the things before that was the Soviet, because their focus was the Soviet hockey team. And one of the things they was looking at was, how do we play with the Soviets? And these men are saying, well, we, we can't play. Basically, they were saying, we can't play with them. They just beat a bunch of NHL All-Stars, which they did. They had played a bunch of NHL All-Stars right before that. And you're expected to try to, to compete with them? And Herb says, well, maybe because they weren't good enough. <laughs> and they're like, whoa, what do you mean? These are All-Stars. Hello? Professional All-Stars. What do you mean they're not good enough? And he said, there's a problem with all-star teams because when you have an all-star team, they're focused on their own abilities and they don't play together as a unit. We have to have a, a common purpose, one mind and purpose. And as we read this, this is not an opportunity for us to talk down about ourselves. Sometimes we do that. We go the opposite, right? We just sit there and talk negatively about ourselves. That's not what it's about. We, can't, we shouldn't be putting ourselves down because we were made in God's image. We were saved by God's grace. We're loved and cherished by God. And because we're His creation, we shouldn't be talking bad about ourselves. But we don't want to get so wrapped up in ourselves either. It's how do we treat and serve others. In verse 4, it says, Do not look out only for your own interest, but take interest in others too. This is a letter written to the Philippians, and the city of Philippi was a, was a diverse city. Lots of opportunity to meet people and interact with people who were different than you. And there's no indication that there was any uh, dissension there. But Paul wanted to make sure that there was no dissension. It was his, it was his aim to teach them to be united and to, look, and to draw on a diversity instead of being divided by the diversity. Um, unfortunately, it's something we could really learn from today um, as we were divided in so many ways today. Yeah, I work for uh, MasterCard. So I have opportunities to be around people who are very different than me. And uh, 
early on, one of the jobs I had at MasterCard was a, a, a release manager. So when they would put in these new codes and upgrades and that, there would be teams that would, that would put that in. And my job was to kind of help coordinate all that. And then when we would have the installs, we would all be in a room together. And so you had a lot of diverse people in one room. And we spent, depending on the challenges we faced in the release, we could spend 10, 12 hours together. One weekend we spent 20 hours together. Well, you get to know everybody pretty well when you're doing that. And it was, you know, and one of the things I had to do was provide food for them. And I had to be sensitive to the dietary um, commitments that some of the folks followed because of where they were from and what their beliefs were in that. And I had to be sensitive to that as I brought food. I couldn't just get, you know, well, I want this, you know, pepperoni pizza and that's it, you know. Had to think about other people. And actually, one night, it was great. One day, we were in there. We got talking about cricket. Now, I still can't tell you a whole lot about cricket. But to see how much they love the game and hearing them talk about it and then find out that here in O'Fallon, because of the number of people who work for MasterCard and City and that who are from India, O'Fallon created like a cricket league in that. It was fascinating to hear about that. Now, like I said, nuts and something I could play. And then I could turn around and talk to them about baseball a little bit. But bridging, bridging those gaps and being able to come together as one. Because ultimately, at that point, we were there because we had a task to accomplish for MasterCard. And we couldn't let uh, dissension stop us from doing that. And then uh, the following verses, if you get a chance, go home and continue reading in Philippians chapter 2. It talks about how Christ modeled that. He modeled that for us, the attitude that we need to have and how we're challenged to follow what what Jesus did. Well, as I said, we're going to look at a story now. We're going to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17 about someone who understood that it wasn't about him. Let's say that again real quick. It's not, come on, it's not about me. One of the things about some of these great stories in the Bible, and we're going to look at David and Goliath, and people can sit there and say, I've looked at David and Goliath frontwards and backwards, know everything there is to know about it. But there's so much that you can learn, even from one story like that. I know I taught a Sunday school class for six years and at Christmas time as we would get our material you would think, well, the Christmas story is the Christmas story, right? I loved how they would provide material that would open up my eyes to different aspects of that that I'd never thought of before. And lately I've had a lot of opportunities looking at this story about David and Goliath and having my eyes open to different things about it that I had I'd never really thought about before. And what we're going to look at today is David's motive for what he did. So, you know, set up, uh, you know, David, Jesse sends David to check on the battle, which there really was no battle going on because you had the Philistines on this side of the valley and you had the Israelites over here and you had this guy named Goliath who would come out every day and challenge the the Israelites to send a man out. Let's do a little one-on-one battle, winner take all. Nobody wanted to do it. <laughs> because dude was big. Nine foot tall. 
had armor to weigh as much as probably some of the soldiers. Nobody wanted to do it, but Jesse sends David out because he's got three brothers out. Jesse's got three sons out there, so three brothers of David are out there fighting the battle. So let's take them some food, see how things are going. That's kind of a weird thing to think about today, isn't it? Going into the battlefield and checking on your family and bringing them lunch and, and seeing how they're doing. Um, I don't know if you're, you know, at the beginning of the very first major battle of the Civil War, the Battle of Bull Run, something like that kind of actually happened. It was on a Sunday. So people would ride their carriages and out, out to check out and see what the, what the battle was going to be like. Now, over time, that's kind of been blown up into like families taking picnic lunches out there. And that, and that wasn't exactly the way it was. But there were people, there were family members who went out there who had family fighting. They went out to check on it. There were politicians who went out there to check on it. Matter of fact, one was kidnapped during the battle. And there were food vendors out there selling food. Kind of weird to think about that today, isn't it? But it, it did happen in history. And that's what David's doing here. David's taking some food out and he's checking on his brothers to see, to see how they're doing. And we're going to pick it up in uh, 1 Samuel 17, starting in verse 23. Now, this is kind of a, we're going to be a kind of a long passage we're going to read. So don't worry, we're not going to do a verse by verse, dissect what it's saying and and all that. But there's a theme that's running through this passage that we want to make sure we don't miss out on. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. It said this went on for, this was the 40th day of Goliath going out, taunting, challenging, as soon as the army, as soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant? The men asked. He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife, and the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. And David asked the soldier standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? So David, they actually already heard that once. You know, king's going to give him his daughter. They don't have to pay taxes. You know, they're going to come off well financially. All they got to do is go out there and fight the giant and win. And instead they're running away. At the end of verse 26, uh, actually, before I get to that, I'm going to read the beginning of 26 again, kind of with a different tone. Because David had heard them say it already once. He goes, so read from this standpoint. He's like kind of questioning, what will a man get for killing this Philistine? And ending his, almost like, I want to make sure I got this right. But at the end of verse 26, we get the first indication of what David's Motive was, who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And it's not so much that he's challenging Israel. He's challenging God, the armies of God. And that's what David is there to stand up for. In verse 27, it says, and these men gave David the same reply. They said, yes, that is the reward for killing him. But when David's oldest brother Eliab heard David talking to the men, he was angry. See, Eliab 
did not get it. He wasn't standing there saying, it's not about me. He had some personal animosity towards his brother. Eliab was the oldest. David was the youngest. There was jealousy there. And now here is his baby brother showing him up basically by taking on a challenge or asking about a challenge that Eliab himself would not take on. He goes, what are you doing here anyway? What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. So Eliab is challenging David's motive. Verse 29, what have I done now, David replied. I was only asking a question. He walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. Then David's question was reported to King Saul and the king sent for him. So Saul's hearing that there's somebody out there who maybe is willing to take this challenge on. But the thing is, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a paradoxical situation there because you're looking for someone to take the challenge on. You get someone who's willing to take the challenge, but then you don't have trust in them. And, you know, if they lose, that's loss for everybody. But Saul calls for David. Verse 32, don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I will go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. So see right there, it's not only a matter of him fighting it. Saul figures David will lose. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David continues to press on. He's not going to take no for an answer. Verse 34, but David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from the mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. Not David's first rodeo. He's been in battle before. And while it wasn't a giant, I mean, taking on a lion or taking on a bear, that's a pretty big thing. I've I've seen a bear before in real life, and I don't want to get too close to it. In fact, one of the girls was just uh, just reminded me of this story. A number of years ago, we were my my stepdad and my my mom before she passed away lived near the Smoky Mountains, so we were in the Smokies taking a. If any of you've been there and you've been on uh, Smoky Mountain National Park, they have a thing called Cates Cove. It's a loop road. It's an old settlement, homestead settlement, and there's all these paths, all these cabins from like the 1700s are still standing in that. And you can walk these trails, and you might see some bears here and there. And I remember one time we saw a bear in the distance, and my stepdad was kind of yelling out to it, and you saw that bear sit up. I'm like, JB, will you stop, stop? We don't want that bear coming after us. But David... Bears, lions, not a problem. Because there was something he was defending. And notice he's not, it's not for him. It's to save the lambs that he was charged with. So he's used to fighting a battle to protect something else. Verse 36. I've done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. Again, second time. For he has defied the armies of the, of the uh, living God. 
It's not about Israel. It's not about King Saul. It's not about Jesse's family or David. It's about God. Fighting for God because this man is running down God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead. And may the Lord be with you. Now to me, that's almost like Good luck. Go. God be with you. You know. But David didn't need to hear that. And we're gonna we're gonna touch base on that a little bit more because he knew God was with him. But Saul said, May the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet, and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped a sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such a thing before. I can't go on these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So can you, you know, Goliath's got all this armor on. We're going to put all this armor on David. And I said, this armor is, it's not, it's not light. This is, you know, I, I have so much respect for people who fight in the military today because of all the gear that they have to put on just to go out to fight into a battle and to be prepared for battle, to be prepared for the elements. It's, you know, this wasn't working out for David putting all this stuff on. It was going to hinder him more than it was going to help him. So David took them off again. He picked up five, five, five smooth stones from a stream and put them into a shepherd's bag. Then, armed only with shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. However, as we're going to see in a little bit, that's not all he was armed with. He was armed with more than those stones and that sling. You know, uh, Pastor Carl did a message here several months ago. Um, And one of the things he talked about was, there are people who are called to fill a particular role in the church. And because of their calling and that, they do have to go through, they go through training, education, and they're prepared for that. But what Pastor Carl was trying to get across is you don't have to do that in order to serve God and to spread his message. You don't have to go through the, you know, all the training, all the credentialing, all the, you know, years of studying the Bible. You don't have to do that to spread the message. And that's what Pastor Carl was trying to get across to us that day. You know, and the banner that I fly highest, I think, is that we all have a story. God has given each one of us a story. Amen. That's what we need when we're going out and we're talking to others about, about God. What did He do for me? Verse 41, Goliath walked toward David with his shield bearer. And I find that kind of funny too. David's got all, or Goliath's got all this armor and everything, and he's going out to fight this battle, but he's still got someone carrying a shield too. I mean, really? Is he, you know, you're a big, you're a big guy, you handle all this, do you really need to have someone carrying your shield with you? But no, he's got a shield bearer and everything. Sneering in contempt at this ruddy faced boy. Am I a dog? He roared at David. Did you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. 
Come over here and I will give your flesh to the birds and wild animals. Goliath is insulted. He's, he's been calling for a challenger. He's got a challenger. But now he's insulted about the one who's sent out. When quite honestly, anybody they sent out is not going to measure up to him physically. But I guess he was hoping there would be some sort of warrior that would come out. Not this young man. David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. There it is again. You defy these armies of God. And I'm coming with the support of God to take you on. You can have all the javelins and spear, you know, whatever, the shield. I've got the most important weapon of all. I've got God behind me. And David makes a promise. Today, the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals. So, and that was, that right there was something I've probably overread, you know, hundreds of times. Where David has extended this challenge beyond Goliath. Where he says, I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. Again, the motive of David is God. He's protecting or honoring God. God has been challenged. God has been, you know, Goliath has hurled insults at God and his armies. And that is who David is fighting for. And as we go out, that is who we should be fighting for. It's not about us. You know, it's it's not about what's going to make me look good. Again, sometimes we get caught up in wanting to be great and we forget to be good. You know, I was as I was talking about my friend Cliff a minute ago, just thinking about what he did because he wanted to he was concerned for other people. Um, there was a one of the stories we talked about was uh, Cliff had a garage full of junk. Junk, junk, junk. And his kids talked about it. He had a pair, he had a set of tires in there from a truck he hadn't had for 25 years. But if you went to Cliff and you needed help with something, Cliff could help you. And then his daughter-in-law said that he got a new grill one today and he put that grill together. And then instead of just trashing the old grill, he started parting it out, taking parts and saving them. And she's like, what are you doing that for? You don't, you got a new grill. What do you, you don't need that. And he said, but I might need it. And what I got to thinking about was because of the way he was. It wasn't so much that he might need it, but there might be somebody else that would need it. And he wanted to make sure that he had that because he wanted to try to be as prepared as possible to help others and to be good. 
And that's what our focus needs to be on is goodness and understanding that the battle is God's. We are his vehicle. We are his vessel, but that we are fighting for him. You know, one final little story as I close. So again, as I needed a reminder of this, um, as you know, during our time of COVID, when we weren't meeting there for a while, I was leading devotionals on Thursday night on, on the church's Facebook page. And I had this story I was just dying to share. And so I was trying like crazy to form the devotional around that story so that I could share that story. I was going to force it. I was going to make it happen. And I had one prepared. I mean, I had it prepared. I was ready to go with it. I went to bed on that Monday night before. That was what my devotional was going to be. I woke up Tuesday morning. That was no longer my devotional. I've shared this with you before. God likes to speak to me while I'm sleeping because he knows he's got my full attention. So he wakes me up. I said, that's not going to work. I got something else I want you to share. So I had to put that story aside. <laughs> I know, it was hard. Because, but that's, because that's what God wanted. That's not, but you know, I was more wrapped up in trying to uh, tell what was going to be this cute story, you know. And not in focusing on what God wanted. So God made sure he got my attention. So as we get ready to close in prayer here, that is what I want us to remember is where our focus needs to be. Just like David showed here, his focus on taking on Goliath was not for his glorification, was not for the glorification of Israel or King Saul or the family of Jesse. It was for the glorification of God. Father, we we thank you for uh, this word that you've given us. That we thank you for uh, the first of all the example uh, in Philippians, the challenge you gave to us um, about thinking of others, Lord, and not of ourselves. And then the example we read about here about David, Lord, as he took on the giant, and he took on the giant not for himself, Lord, but for you. And as he did that, he knew that the battle was not his, but the battle was yours, and he was just your your vessel, Lord. And I pray that as, um, as we close this out, that we will remember that we are your vessels. You're giving us uh, the ability to, to share our stories and to share what you've done for us with others, Lord. Uh, to try to bring them into a relationship with you. And it's not for our glorification but it's for yours, Lord, to bring them to you, Father. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you found this audio presentation from St. Charles River Church both beneficial and enjoyable. If you're ever in the area, please come by and visit us. It's online at www.stcharlesriverchurch.org.